this thing that has been discussed within the university so much with Go Beyond. And we think it's really important to move our students now out into the community and to take these skills as teams and find environments where they can engage patients, communities, families um, to improve the health. Hi, I'm Kimberly McCorkle, Provost and Senior Vice President for Academic Affairs at East Tennessee State University. From the moment I arrived on this campus, I have been inspired by our faculty, their passion for what they do, their belief in the power of higher education, and the way they are transforming the lives of their students. This podcast is dedicated to them, our incredible faculty at ETSU. Hear their stories as they tell us why I teach. In this episode, we will talk with Dr. Brian Cross, Assistant Vice Provost and Director of the Center for Interprofessional Collaboration at the East Tennessee State University Academic Health Sciences Center. Dr. Cross has 30 plus years of clinical experience in many ambulatory areas, including the Indian Health Service, the VA Health System, endocrinology and cardiology, academic practices, and multi-specialty private practice medical groups. For most of the last 23 years, Dr. Cross has created advanced collaborative practice environments, mostly in primary care, integrating clinical pharmacy services within both large private practices as well as academic practice models. Such collaboration will not only greatly assist our students, but it will help those they serve for generations to come. He has been awarded multiple teaching awards from colleges of pharmacy, nursing, and medicine at multiple universities, and he has spoken on the connection between collaborative practice and learning and training at national and international meetings. In 2018, he was a Fulbright Scholar at the Royal College of Surgeons of Ireland, focusing on the bridge between interprofessional learning and collaborative practice. This year, he will be awarded fellowship status in the National Academies of Practice, the only interprofessional group of healthcare practitioners and scholars dedicated to supporting affordable, accessible, coordinated quality healthcare for all. Dr. Cross has been an ardent supporter of the interprofessional education at ETSU, and I look forward to learning more about its progress and its future in our conversation today. Enjoy the show. Dr. Cross, welcome to the show. I start my podcast with the same question for every guest. Take me back to your first day of teaching at ETSU as a faculty member, and looking back on that day, what is one piece of advice that you would have given yourself? I've thought about this question for a while because first I listened to the podcast and so I know that <laughs> I was supposed to prepare this way. Um, but second, I think this is this is the kind of question that causes you to pause and ask like, so what do I really think to the answer of this question? Yeah. So I actually wrote down the answer because mm. I want to make sure that what I was thinking is clear. Yeah. And so what I would say to myself back then is that teaching is not simply giving students facts that they give back to you on an exam. Mm -hmm. It is the connection between inspiration, challenge, wonderment, and giving enough time and space for them to be able to answer the why questions more than the what questions. And that learning is a journey, not a destination, that should be filled with joy and fun. Well, Dr. Cross, as we get started, why don't we start with you sort of telling us what is IPE and how does it function? Yeah, I think that's an important foundational kind of, what, so what is this and why are we doing this? I think one of the things to appreciate is this 
This word has probably been in existence for 40 years. Started in Europe, Canada. The United States was actually slow to kind of take this, this word up. For the people who do work that is called interdisciplinary, I would tell them this is a similar kind of thing. Interprofessional specifically came out of the health professions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this that word is is typically aligned with health professions, either practice or education. Um, but at its core, it comes from a, a report that came from the from the US government called Crossing the Quality Chasm. And they specifically, it took them 250 pages, but basically what they said after they were done is that we should train together as health professions and we should practice together as health professions. Yeah. Um, fast forward 15 years, a second thing is published from The Lancet that says, uh, medical error is the number three reason for mortality in the United States. Yeah that kind of ups the game on it's clear that the system that we currently send our graduates into mm-hmm. is not one that is open let's say for team-based processes of care consistently right. and so um, at its foundation what we are trying to do in interprofessional education and then preparing them for interprofessional practice is is breaking down these walls of hierarchy mm-hmm. in practice and explaining to them the value, the reason, and the data that supports team-based care um, to improve outcomes of their patients, their families, and the communities that they live in. Tell us about the colleges that are involved in IPE at, at ETSU. As we said, um, the word interprofessional kind of is aligned with health professions. Mm -hmm. And so the educational process here at ETSU is specifically focused on um, the five colleges in the Academic Health Science Center. So the College of of Pharmacy, Medicine, Nursing, Public Health, and Clinical and Rehabilitative Health Sciences. Mm -hmm. Within that is approximately 18 different programs um, that are touched in some form or fashion by the IPE program here at ETSU. That's great. And, and all of this takes place in Bishop Hall, right, on the VA campus. For all of the face-to-face yes. gatherings, um, yes. And Bishop Hall, uh, we jokingly say that 2018 was sort of the big bang of IPE at mm-hmm. ETSU. Yeah. 2018 was when the building officially opened. This is a state-of-the-art simulation building, about 36,000 square feet, yeah. two full floors of simulated uh, space. That is both um, ambulatory in nature, so there are clinic rooms that looks like a, a primary care office, an apartment living space, and then um, high fidelity spaces like an emergency room, an ICU, those kinds of things, um, as well as um, soon to be nine debrief spaces where after this simulated experience, there is a safe space for the team of students to come mm-hmm. and kind of debrief what just happened to them from an educational process. That's great. And you have community volunteers who participate in this process. We we do. So with within those days when there are when the teams are are going through this training uh, simulation, we will zoom active engaged teams across the Tri-Cities, mm-hmm. both in academic practices as well as private practices around particular themes. So this coming uh, spring, we will be bringing folks in from the community specifically to talk about communication 
and conflict resolution within their practices. And so while the students are going through that training, we then bring in a group of practitioners to talk about the very same stuff that they were just going through that day. Mm-hmm. That's great. Your bio focused on your work in collaborative practice environments and interprofessional education, or IPE as we call it, but your career began in pharmacy. Tell us about your background and how it has led you to your current role at ETSU. Yeah, it sort of reminds me of the Grateful Dead song, what a long, strange trip it's been, right? Right. So I grew up in West Virginia. Uh, I have a BS in pharmacy, which is a degree that's not even offered any longer. Mm. Um, I did a residency in Boston. I went to the Indian Health Service in Arizona. It's where I met my wife on a very small uh, San Carlos Apache reservation in central eastern Arizona. Uh, Then did a stint in the VA in Florida. Um, then went back for my PharmD at UT in Memphis, did a second residency at the Med in, in Memphis, and then joined faculty at the University of Tennessee in family medicine and primary care. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, moved up here to Northeast Tennessee, took a, a collaborative position with um, a large medical group here in the Tri-Cities um, in collaboration with the University of Tennessee. And then in 2010, came to ETSU and joined the College of Pharmacy. I, I will say that um, I think those early years being in environments where uh, we had to collaborate because of the nature that we found ourselves in, say in um, the Indian Health Service, we were in a single wide trailer. Mm. The team total was five people. Everybody had to be good at a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. I think it made me appreciate the the importance and value of team. Yeah. But I will say, I think I was more selfish in figuring out how I would be a more important member of the team then. Uh-huh. And only as I went through more environments and realized that nobody was supposed to be more important than any other person on the team, And I guess I say all that to say, I'm only now at a place where my head and heart are in the right place that Mm -hmm. I could be leading something like what we're trying to accomplish with IPE now. Yeah, it's great. So it's clear that there's been a shift toward a greater appreciation for interprofessional practice and education among healthcare professionals. In what ways have you seen that manifested in healthcare and also education settings? I'd say in the early days, so, and I'm not even sure what that means anymore, but, you know, 20, 30 plus years ago, where collaboration was happening more commonly was in the clinical spaces. Mm -hmm. And so on rounds or in the clinic or things like that, uh, learners of different backgrounds may be accidentally in the same space um, and maybe accidentally learn from one another. Um, fast forward a while, there's some government reports that say we need to do better both in practice and education. Mm-hmm. And then, like with most things, regulations come down and accreditation standards begin to change. And um, you then have standards that say you must do X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And then you begin to see the training um, moving into the curricular spaces instead of just in the clinical spaces. And yeah. so now I think our challenge is creating um, the bridge between the foundational curriculum like we are trying to establish here um, with a bridge from that to the clinical space and being intentional in taking the 
the team training we, we do in a simulated environment, making sure that that stays with them and moves into the clinical spaces consistently. Yeah. Does that help? It does, yeah. That, so related to that, tell us how IP has developed here at ETSU. Yeah, I, I, IPE is a strange thing to talk about mm. at, in our country. Mm. Um, it's um, it, it developed over time. For ETSU, the journey, we're now in our 10th year or so. Yeah. So in, in 2013, um, a former vice president and um, the deans in the Health Science Center kind of came together and said, we need to do something. Yeah. That led to a small cohort of students going through a volunteer process, and we began to refine experiences and curriculum and things like that. And then over that journey of now 10 years, moving from something that was a volunteer, um, small group of students to now a group of students of more than 700 um, and faculty of more than uh, 90 or so from all five colleges in the Academic Health Science Center. So will you, will you tell us a bit more about the current IPE processes and models that are in place here at ETSU and how those help prepare students who are going to work in healthcare? Sure. Yeah. Right now we have two um, foundational models. The first one is the synchronous model that is an on-ground, in-person, two-year, four-semester experience. The four core domains of interprofessional education are the thematic um, processes by which we do all of our teaching. So on each day, there is a theme. Um, those domains are communication, roles and responsibilities, teams and teamwork, and um, uh, values and ethics. Uh, the second year is sort of the application, if you will. These same teams of students with faculty facilitators follow a patient longitudinally over the year. And then we end the entire experience with a formal um, reflection period where each of the teams give a pseudo TED talk to the other teams about the patient and the team process that they've learned. Mm -hmm. The second model that we used uh, beginning in 2019 is the asynchronous online. So this is for learners who may never be physically in Johnson City, mm -hmm. but they still receive training through our online process. Yeah. Uh, we were incredibly lucky that we opened this model in 2019 right. and learned in a year uh, what we needed in 2020 when our synchronous model went mm -hmm. to online. It was still synchronous and people gathered real time, mm -hmm. but we used Zoom for all of the gatherings. Um, and unlike many IP programs in the country, we actually expanded our program during those two years that we were uh, online and not face-to-face -face and, and actually grew by about 150 students during that right? time. Yeah. Wow. Um, in, in another six months or so, we hope it to open a third model, and I think we'll talk about that maybe a little bit in the future. Well, so tell us a bit about what the challenges and opportunities have been for faculty and students as, as you've developed the IPE curriculum and the models. I think the challenges would be um, not a surprise. Mm -hmm. So when you are trying to uh, teach students from five different colleges, yeah. schedules are an amazing task. Um, so mm -hmm. to gather students um, from five different programs, from five different colleges, 18 different programs, 
um, into a common space for a two hour period of time to do something requires an inordinate amount of gathering around tables and taking people to lunch and convincing people of value. I think the next thing is um, the the convincing of value of it mm-hmm. within and inside of a curriculum. Um, and I think the third thing is um, how how is it valued at the faculty workload standpoint? So that when we are asking faculty to be faculty facilitators in these small groups, so these are groups of eight to 10 students, and they are with the same group for an entire year. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not a huge ask, but for all faculty, I think workload is always a, a major issue. And so we have spent the last several years integrating the the ask into the workload model for all of the colleges. And so now these are uh, they are given credit for teaching just like they would for anything else. Yeah, I would say those are the major um, obstacles that most people describe. I think the benefits are the ability for both faculty and students to come together in a common space and learn from, with, and about students and faculty from other places and therefore realize, that we, just like all conversations that are like this, we have way more in common than we don't but we don't realize that if we don't come and have these conversations. Yeah. Do you have a favorite story about a student who <laughs> seemed to really benefit from this model, but being able to observe that sort of aha moment? Um, I I don't have one, but I would say I would I have a collection or a collective. Sure. And yeah. I continue to get, as we have graduates now heading out into the world, these emails and texts that will come in and say, um, I, it's not that I didn't realize the value and importance of this when I was in it, but we were in simulated environments. Mm-hmm. And so I just right. want you to hear that all of this stuff that we were doing, I'm now in residency, right? right? I am now in practice. And all of these things that you were planting Um, I keep seeing them returning Mm. and the things that many people will describe as soft skills. I'm clearly realizing these are actually the foundational skills that make me a better clinician. I I say to, to all of the students, our job isn't to make you a pharmacist or a physician or a nurse, et cetera. Mm -hmm. It's to make you the best version of whatever that thing is that your home college is making. So I guess I would say, like, that's my my yeah. favorite story. We do have several marriages oh. <laughs> that have come out of the IPE. So we have, uh-huh. um, I wouldn't claim to be an interprofessional matchmaker, but we, we do have some interesting stories over the years of people coming together and still um, having a marriage and family gathering. And, and I think that's kind of humorous as well. That's sort of teamwork taken to right, exactly. Level, right? Yeah, <laughs> expanding that concept of right. teamwork, yeah. Tell us what's on the horizon for IPE at ETSU. Um, So one of the things I I mentioned when we were talking about models is Mm -hmm. starting in the fall of of 2024, we will open the third model, which is a self-directed online one semester um, focused specifically at the undergrad learner level. Um, 
and we are excited to announce that over the over the next two years of that being open, we will have now engaged all of our BSN students in the College of Nursing, mm -hmm. the largest college of nursing in the state of Tennessee, yes. and has been a, a major task um, to get all of those students um, accounted for in this training. Yeah. So that's one of the things that's happening curricular-wise. That's fantastic. Um, we're also really excited about being involved in more programming and things on main campus. Um, so things like the Basler Chair that has uh, just uh, been announced here um, in the last week or so on the main campus. Um, the, the chair this year is, has brings a very interesting and unique background of the bridge between um, the performing arts and healing. And so we are engaging her in a couple of different um, in, uh, events where we will bring students from arts and sciences and the health sciences into a common space to have conversation about that. And then a similar event that we will host with faculty and practitioners in the community around the same kind of uh, discussion of um, mm -hmm. does the arts have a role to play in the healing? Yeah. Um, a couple of other things on the horizon. This is our 10th anniversary, so we're going to have That's a graduation great. ceremony at the first week of March. Mm -hmm. Uh, this is going to be the largest graduation we've ever had. Probably upwards of 300 students will wow. come through that event. Congratulations. And, and we're also really excited that our featured speaker this year um, mm -hmm. is one of our initial faculty from 10 years ago who is now at the University of Michigan and returning to give kind of a, a, a just I, where from where I've come to where I am mm -hmm. and kind of coming back to the roots of where he started. Yeah. Um, and, and the initial um, faculty group, we hope to have all of them at that uh, event and, and sort of have some wonderful pictures and just some, some time to reminisce about all of the stuff that's happened in IP in the last 10 years. Yeah. Um, I think the last thing that I would mention is just that bridge we were talking about and, and this, this um, this thing that has been discussed within the university so much with Go Beyond. And we think it's really important to move our students now out into the community and to take these skills as teams and find environments where they can engage patients, communities, families um, to improve the health. And so we are with small projects looking for opportunities to take um, in the same way we started IPE. So in a small way, um, there's a couple of things that we've done so far engaging in RAM. Uh, so having some of our interprofessional student teams involved in uh, service to the underserved. And then there is a model that has been uh, in practice now for about four years called uh, ETSU Health Bridge. And this is an engagement we use um, a, a uh, interprofessional group of students to um, provide service to uh, the unhoused in Johnson City. Yeah. What has been the response from our community partners in the program that we've offered here for our students and the ways that we're preparing them in this space? I'm glad you asked that. So one of the things that I forgot to mention that is really important is when we gather in Bishop Hall, um, several times a year, mm -hmm. we will Zoom in community teams mm -hmm. that are in practice. Yeah. And we think it's really important for the students to, to meet real teams. Um, and what they 
and and we don't pick them on purpose, so they'll say this. But what we hear them say a lot is, we wish we had received training like this when we were going through our oh, process. We, we have learned this kind of on the street, mm -hmm. but our lives would have been so much easier if there was an intentional curriculum to create this foundational skill set yeah. before we were in practice. And yeah. so um, I think every time, so we've had leaders from the chamber come to our building and do team training. And mm -hmm. I think it's reassuring that every time we, engage with folks in the community, there is a clear realization there's a need for this. And the question is, why are we not more intentional in a, from a community standpoint, from, from a nation standpoint? I think this is just another example of these feel like soft skills and things that people assume we just do naturally. Right. I think we continue to see that they don't necessarily come naturally to everybody. Right. Thank you. Finally, what impact do you hope that you have made on your students? Um, so when when we begin every IP event, um, I ask the students to make sure that their heads and their hearts are aligned before we go into our training. I think it's really important that both of those organs are used and aligned in care. Um, we talk about those numbers that we recite all the time, 34727, 250,000. That's the mantra of ETSU IPE, which just simply is them being understanding, uh, being able to understand why we're doing this. And that is for the, the people who are harmed in our current healthcare system from medical errors um, as a direct result of lack of communication in the team. Yeah. Um, I hope that they understand that care from a team is always better outcomes for patients. Mm -hmm. And then I I hope the last thing is that that every member of the team appreciates and realizes the importance that every other member of the team is equally mm -hmm. valuable right. to the team. Um, the picture that I would draw for them is a a round table, mm -hmm. not a rectangular table. Nice. There is no head. Everyone has a, an appropriate voice. We mm -hmm. say many times in our training, if you see something, mm -hmm. then I hope you have the confidence within and the trust within the team that you feel like your voice can speak up and say something about mm -hmm. uh, harm that you're afraid is about to, to happen. So, yeah. um, Nice. Yeah. Hope I, I think our challenge to them is being the change agents of a system that still needs a significant amount of work. And so what yeah. I what I hope um the what we've made on them is giving them confidence that um they can speak up mm -hmm. in a in a system that still needs um some work. Yeah, it's wonderful. Thank you, Brian. Really enjoyed our conversation. And I appreciate your commitment to interprofessional education at ETSU and the way that you inspire students and faculty with the clear passion you have for this work. Thank you for listening to Why I Teach. For more information about Dr. Cross, the ETSU Center for Interprofessional Collaboration, or this podcast series, visit the ETSU Provost website at etsu.edu slash provost. You can follow me on social media at ETSU Provost. 
And if you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to like and subscribe to Why I Teach wherever you listen to your podcasts.